The following podcast is not intended for younger audiences. If you are under the age of 18, please shut this off. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, let us hop into our submarines and go across the pond. everyone to two dudes one double feature the show in which two dudes talk two films and that is about it i am dude one richard and i'm dude two joe and today we have another very special guest like you know last week we had um allison and we were grateful that she was on we loved her and now this week we have another great guest he is a co-host of the grift cast podcast and he was also in a short film I did two years ago called Eight Hours, and he played Barry, and he was the best character in the whole thing. And uh, now he's joining us today, our third dude this week, Mr. Alex Ford. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? It's, it's, I'm excited to see you. It's been a while since I've seen you, so I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's only been like a year. <laughs> it's been a year. I've, I've you know. seen you remotely. I did see you in person not that long ago when, when like, we casually passed each other. Oh, yeah, because I texted you and I said, hey, Richard, I think I see your mom shopping. <laughs> and then you were there. And um, we were shopping, and we said hi safely, distantly, masked up, and, and then we went on our way. It was a good time. It was a good time. So, as I always do on this show, I must ask, how art thou, dude two, and dude three? I'm doing pretty good. Um, the podcast game has been off for a long time because of COVID, but we got stuff in the works at least, and we've been working on a couple different things, including uh, Let's Plays for Video Games and uh, two new podcasts, actually, still under the same name, though. But uh, other than that, personal life, my it's it's COVID season. <laughs> so. Just everyone staying home and trying to pass the time. I get to work from home, which is actually pretty nice. That's so. nice. Mm. That that's about it. I mean, I can talk about the two podcasts we're working on, but that's is it like like still in development? So there's not a lot to say about it, or, or you... yeah. Well, my co-host Matt is working on a solo podcast, which good for him because he's the brains of the operation. I'm just there for my voice and to edit stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're working on one together that's uh, very political. And it's a very, if our whole podcast is very politically opinionated. So if uh, that's not the route you guys want to explore, we don't have to. But just so everybody knows, if you listen to us, it's very uh, left leaning. And you know what? That's all good, man. We're, we're hoping to have most of that out within a month to two, at least starting it. But we were actually just talking about it this morning about getting it started on recording tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just been my time. A lot of working from home, eating a lot, and watching movies Uh, well i mean that's perfect for this show because that's all i mean i know that's all i do (laughs) half the time and how about how about you joey as always how are you i'm fine man 
uh, you know, just uh, obviously aside from podcast things, you know, it's it's November, just uh, just trying to get through. We're we're still trying to figure out what's going on as far as Thanksgiving is concerned with our family. Right. Yeah. You know, because usually last couple months we have been able to like meet up, but usually we were eating like outside or something. Whereas that's not going to really happen here because it's obviously you know later on in the fall, getting a little cold, getting a little too cold for that, and we're just not at the point where we're, we're comfortable having people inside our house. We're still figuring all of that out, but on on a very much like lighter side of news, I was picking up Yu-Gi-Oh cards uh, today, and I was I was very pleased with what I pulled. I pulled a bunch of bunch of cards I've been looking for, and some stuff I can sell online for a pretty penny. So that's always nice. And literally, like one of the cards, like almost paid for like the whole, one of the boxes I picked <laughs> up. So that's always nice when you can when you can uh, financially recover from buying children's trading cards yeah <laughs> yeah i actually got it was like a, a <laughs> it was like a a really gold like red eyes black dragon um and it, it's i gotta show it to you later but it's um it's really cool and uh aside from that you know i've just been just chilling out and that's that's it how about how about you richard well as I mentioned in the last few episodes, my, my uh, mother and my sister went to Disney World. And so for the past two weeks, I've pretty much just quarantined myself away from them. Like My, my sister doesn't live with us, but um, I, I, uh, my, mom lives with, uh, my mom lives with me. So I'm uh, just trying to like keep my distance. And today was supposed to be the last day. So like today I was supposed to like kind of just go about normally as far as like my everyday life situation in covid times but uh we found out that earlier this week my mom at her work possibly got exposed to someone who tested positive for covid so um i am currently in the midst of a second two-week quarantine period unless she gets a couple negative tests which she has uh she's getting i think she's actually in the process of getting a second a first test and she has a scheduled test on monday so hopefully um, everything's okay, and hopefully she's not actually sick. So that is kind of a uh, 2020. It continues to be a jerk, and it happened on Friday the 13th, of course. Like that's, of course, we had to find out that. Like, just... thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> Friday the 13th in 2020. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, on a uh, on some lighter note, Allison, your uh, better half, Joey, um, told us that apparently on the 23rd of October, someone. Uh, posted a five star review on our on our uh, Apple Podcast thing. So, <laughs> oh yeah! So um, I thought I would read that since it's like it's just exciting, you know. It's like oh yeah, you got a nice comment. Like no, it's actually a really nice comment. It is exciting. It's five star comment uh, from someone named Ophi Wan. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it's like Obi Wan, I guess, but it's one word. And uh, it's titled "This is Saving Me in Quarantine." And they write, if you miss hanging out with your friends and having a laid back chat about movies you love or love to hate or just disagree with, this is your podcast. Richard and Joe share both a deep appreciation for the art form and a natural camaraderie that really come through in their conversations. You may learn something new. You may remember an old favorite or you may discover a film you don't care to see. 
but certainly you will enjoy spending a couple of hours with good friends that make you feel like you're not in a pandemic, even if just for a second. Bonus, their themed music is fire, and their surprise radio drama shorts are so much fun. Give it a listen. Yeah, that was very nice. That was very sweet. So did you write that, Alex? Yes, that is actually my alter ego. <laughs> I, just, I, I wanted to get you guys some good reviews on no. That's a lot nicer than the type of reviews that we usually get. Actually, we got a lot of one stars and a lot of uh, angry things. So I like your guys' format a lot more. It brings out nicer people. <laughs> I mean, the odd thing is that people are really like crazy when it comes to movie opinions sometimes. So it's nice that it is kind of leaned this way. <laughs> That's true, but you guys do cover your bases very well. Like I listen to all your guys' podcasts, and it's it is you guys are very well informed. Thank you. We appreciate that. And also, I, I just want to bring this up, too. Uh, Alex was extremely helpful uh, when we were starting this podcast. Oh, my God, he was. I, I wanted to say it early, but I didn't get a chance to. But, like, really, just seriously, thank, thank you. Because, like, we were completely... We were trying to upload that first episode. We were completely lost. No exaggeration. Oh, yeah, it's no problem at all. I, I actually had to remind myself because uh, I had to learn to do it. My co-host, Matt first figured it all out then he's like here you take this and do it for a couple episodes and i just sat there the first time i remember doing it and i, I was on the phone with him like at least six times that night <laughs> and the, the thing is once you figure it out it's not that hard like it's not too bad no no like we've we've um we've definitely like figured out at least a solid routine at this point you know so that's kind of nice that we're able to like obviously you know real life sometimes gets in the way and so we have to struggle with things like um you know like we did uh the last five episodes we had that radio drama and so just like because there's so many like components to that just trying to get all those pieces together um in a timely fashion was was kind of a headache especially for john who uh our our composer love you john um who edited that whole thing together more or less so um like yeah stuff like that was a bit difficult but you know, at least we've gotten to into a good groove right now, so I'm happy about that. That's good. Yeah, and I, I think people don't always realize how many like moving components there are, because uh, for our podcast, we have at least three people working on it, and really, 2020 threw a wrench in that where like we had such a hard time getting our schedules to line up because we were on three different shift schedules for work. Uh, we had to get together at the same time, so it it is a lot to work on, and you guys do do a great job of it, including John. <laughs> including john we love you john i mean one of the thing, incredible things about john that we always like it, it's it's pretty incredible is that he's produced an original piece of music for every episode with his brother kenny and like i remember wild. when he first said that he was gonna do that and i was like do, do you want to strain yourself them i mean yeah i mean you can do like a new one every like you don't have to he's like no 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 i'm gonna do it and every single time he does a new one and every single time we're like this is the coolest thing you've ever done. He is a genuine yeah. talent, and um, this show would be nothing without Mr. John Armstrong and Kenny Armstrong. Um, oh, someone's mowing right now, so if you can hear that, I apologize. Um, oh, did you talk about YouTube yet, Richard? Oh, okay, yeah. So we have a YouTube channel now in case... Uh, I mean, we've had it for a while. We've mentioned it a couple of times, but we're actually... Um, trying to figure out exactly what we want to do with it per se and at the moment we have an idea where basically we're going to try to do like a condensed version of the show that we're doing now so instead of just like you know a 
hour, hour and a half long podcast. It's going to be a video that's probably going to be like 10, 15 minutes at best. And we're going to just talk about one of us is just going to talk about two movies that we want to talk about um, in some fashion. So uh, we don't know when those will happen. You know, whenever we record anything and Joey will send me his uh, video and I'll put it all together. So basically what I'm saying is we're going to have some stuff for you for the YouTube channel. So subscribe to it and uh, look out for that. So yeah. Anyway, um, moving on uh, to our first double feature this week. We're all Disney fans. I know Joey is a massive Disney fan. Um, Alex, I know you grew up with Disney as well. Um, if it wasn't evident from the various times uh, at work uh, when we would sing Disney songs in the middle of just whatever <laughs> we were doing. A lot of Aladdin. A lot of Aladdin, without a doubt. And so we're definitely Disney fans. Uh, you know, Disney is a massive part of everyone's childhood, more or less. Most people's childhood, especially Disney animation. You know, so many classic films, you know, Snow White, Lion King, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Pinocchio, um, Peter Pan. The list is endless. But there's also just some films within that roster that don't get talked about as much you know there's 50 what 58 57 how many movies are there i hate that you asked me this <laughs> <laughs> i just figured you would have known it offhand <laughs> okay it's 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 sad because i have all of them on on dvd and blu-ray just look at your shelf um <laughs> hold up hold up i'm looking up real quick 58 58 so there are Sorry. 58 Disney Animation Studio films. And so obviously there's going to be some that maybe you'll love, but you know it just doesn't get enough attention. So today we are taking two of those movies and giving them the love they deserve. And the first one is the 1986 film, The Great Mouse Detective. Woo! Yeah, I don't know if, uh, if Richard told you this, Joe. I had never watched this movie before. <laughs> He actually, he actually was telling me some of your, uh, some of your thoughts as you were watching it or after you watched the movie. Um, but I'm definitely excited for you to, to fully expand on them and reveal them to our, uh, to our listeners. Actually, since, since of, of, I mean, I've also not as familiar because the first time I watched The Great Mouse Detective was this year. And then the second time was for this podcast. But I am curious, like what, just from like your initial reaction, like, what did you think of it? Oh, I really liked it. It. I, I kind of got at certain points like even a Lion King feel because like they give the big bad guy his song and I don't know why that just reminded me of Scar. <laughs> I It did. Mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, it really gave me like that 80s, early 90s Disney feel the whole way through. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I will say, I will say it did uh, make my girlfriend mad at me because it was her favorite movie growing up and she found out I had never watched it. Oh, Ooh, man. Oh, zoinks now i have so <laughs> all is all is well all is a piece it's kind of a funny contrast because in the last episode we talk about phantom of the opera and that's like yours and your girlfriend's like favorite movie joey <laughs> like like favorite thing and so then or one of our favorite things and so yeah. just to like have that contrast of like i'm finally watching something that my girlfriend loves it's 
you know, I need to get a girlfriend now so I could so I can continue this trend. But we'll we'll do that after the pandemic, maybe. Late ladies, <laughs> wait wait a couple weeks. But this man is single. I am single and ready to mingle once you're tested. In in fourteen days. In fourteen days, we can go on a date. <laughs> um, can I take your temperature before we yeah. go to eat? Are you okay with eating outside of a car? Not. <laughs> I don't want to see your whole face. I just want to see what mask up. Come on. Don't touch me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that could have gotten very bad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, dear. Ooh, well, back back to Great Mouse Detective. So this was one I watched um, quite a bit as a child. Um, I, I always remember the VHS cover where you have Basil with, with, his, with his magnifying glass, which I think is a way cooler poster than the actual poster where they're like, all new, all fun. And they have like a really generic generic font for great mouse detective i'm looking at it right now i'm looking at the poster right now and i'm like this this is like it's well done like as far as like drawing but it's just lame yeah it 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 was i mean in fairness this was this is an interesting film because this was before the disney renaissance so before little mermaid before beauty and the beast before lion king before aladdin uh they made you know great mouse detective and this was after the black cauldron which the Black Cauldron is one of those movies that did not do very well for Disney at all. You know, has sort of a little more of a cult thing now, but even it's not always regarded as one of the better Disney movies. And back then, it was it was a straight up flop. And Great Great Mouse Detective comes in and sort of saves the animation division at Disney, and it sort of helps helped um, establish the Disney Renaissance. Even it wasn't the Disney Renaissance, and we would have another movie. Uh, in between this and the actual Disney Renaissance, but uh, it was extremely helpful, at least from the business perspective, to reassure the upper management at Disney that, okay, we can keep going with, you know, the reason why this company was founded in the first place, animation. So, yeah, 1986. It's The Great Mouse Detective is basically Sherlock Holmes, but with mice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I was, like, I remember, like, when I first watched it, I was actually really surprised that it was based on a book. Like, I thought it was just, like, because you know how Disney likes to do, like, their own, like, interpretation of something. So, like, um, like Robin Hood is, is Robin Hood, but it's, like, you know, they're foxes. Or, you know, they're various mm-hmm. other, like, anthropomorphic yeah. uh, animals. Or, like, you know, you know, all those classic Disney movies are, like, based on something and so I thought, like, this was just like that, but it was going to be based on Arthur Conan Doyle's books. But no, it's actually based on a kid's book called Basil of Baker Street, which I was like, it kind of threw me off a little bit. <laughs> it's not necessarily relevant. I mean, it's relevant, but it's not necessarily like a thing. It's just, I just thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. I did not know that. So I'm learning new things. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was a children's book series by Eve Titus. And, um, it's essentially like that. It's like, it's a mouse, but it happens to be Sherlock Holmes. And obviously, um, one of the most, one of the more famous actors to play Sherlock Holmes was Basil Rathbone. So there's that, um, there's the reason for why it's Basil of Baker Street. Cause yes. it's that inspiration. Yes, yes, yes. And that, that's not where the Basil Rathbone tribute spot stop actually. Cause there is a sequence where we hear a conversation between the actual, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and it's actually a recording of Basil Rathbone from when he was reading um, one of the um, Sherlock Holmes stories. 
actually from back in the 60s. So, you know. Nice. With this movie, it's I think one of the big things I want to talk about it is sort of like to like the tone because I think compared because people have this idea of Disney just being so wholesome and everything, you know, there might be some scary moments, but it's okay. It's all fine. It's relatively clean. This movie is is not always uh very clean. I mean, you have like a very like sleazy sort of underworld with mice. For one, uh, the beginning of the movie is a kidnapping of, of this of uh, this one dude who makes like automatons and things like that. You know, it's uh, it, it, it and yeah, it's a well. Not only that, it's a kidnapping, but that like it, it's like a really grim moment. But then it leads into this really chippery dun, 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 opening <laughs> theme music. <laughs> I just thought that like I was like. I, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but when you mentioned it while we were watching it, I just thought that was really funny. I'm like, you know what? It's a good point. Like, this is really dark. I mean, not necessarily really dark, but this, like, dark moment at the beginning of this movie where this poor little girl gets her dad kidnapped by, you know, a, a, a sleazy, like, weird bat that he talks like this. Hey, hey, yeah, I gotta get to go. Gotta get to go. <laughs> and then, like, she's like, Daddy, Daddy. And then... You're like, oh no. And then it's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's just really funny. Um, but yeah, like but there's the tone and one of the one of the scenes too where like Radigan, our our, our main villain, which we'll definitely talk about in a second, but he, he's like he feeds one of his henchmen to this giant cat for you know, calling him a rat. And this is like a constant thing in in this movie. Where it's like, <laughs> you call me a rat? Did you call me a rat? Uh, and there's guns in this movie too. It's not like there's like, li- like you know, a lot of mo- th- like stories and things. They're able to circumvent that by like, you know, having laser beams or other things. But no, this is like, these mice, some of these mice are like packing guns and things like that. Like, it's wild. It's, it is crazy. Cause it is, it is like you were saying, it's that pre um, Renaissance kind of, kind of uh, thing. Cause especially like with black cauldron and you see that movie, you can clearly tell Disney was trying to like do something a little bit out of their comfort zone. Like maybe try to get a little bit edgier, a little bit more like to the surf, to the, to the edge, as opposed to like, you know, staying entirely wholesome. I mean, it's still a Disney movie and it's still like, is, you know, fine for like children to watch and everything but at the same time there's there's things in it that you're like damn son and and like again with like the tone of it too it made me i was saying this to you richard before the show it made me think of like if you didn't know any better if it didn't say like disney's great mouse detective i would have mistaken this for a uh a don bluth movie like a like a lighter don bluth movie because of like of the tone of you know because there's there's there are some silly moments in this but there's also also contrasted with some of the really dark stuff mm-hmm. you know like i was like yeah this i could this co- could totally almost fit in with with some of the stuff that i think of like when i think of things like you know all dogs go to heaven um you know and and some of those some of those animated movies especially the talk rock a doodle do oh totally dude that yeah. should have been our double feature that should have been the double feature man uh, why didn't we do rock a doodle do 
<laughs> I haven't seen that in so long. And the freaking owl in that movie is terrifying. I'm so, I just I'm starting to like it's memories are flushing back into my brain. I'm like that was that was one of my favorite movies growing <laughs> up and I I think my mom thought something was wrong with me because of it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> She's like that's that was like with me and James and the Giant Peach. Oh, like my yes. mom would would like I'd watch that so many times. My mom would be like, "Again, <laughs> like yes, James the Giant Peach, come on!" She's like, "Really? You really want to watch this right now?" <laughs> so there's your next one, James and the Giant Peach and Rockadoodle. Write it down, Joey. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. No, but uh, Rockadoodle Peach. <laughs> Rockadoodle Peach. James and the Rockadoodle. <laughs> that has to happen now you know that right it does it does but really can we talk about the main reason to see this movie the main reason Vincent price vincent freaking price which before we before we jump into it i have i have a bone to pick with mr ford here because i asked him if he knew who vincent price was and he said Maybe by his work, but not by his name. And I was so upset. Hey, not all of us are <laughs> as movie savvy as you guys. I pick and choose. But then I found out he was uh, in the Ten Commandments movie, and I'm like, okay, I've had to watch that like 5,000 times in my life, so I, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> and and as, long as, as long as there's something. I mean, I know now that I've looked into it, I'm like, okay, he's done so much that I actually know but I'm just bad with names. You you can fault me for it. It's my fault. But <laughs> I, I know I'll know a lot more of the actors in the second movie. I'll say that. <laughs> That's fine. That's fair. That's, That's fine. fair. Uh, but yeah, Vincent Price just to, like he. This man had a career. Like as you said, he was in Ten Commandments. But most notably, he was in a lot of um, horror movies, particularly the variety. You know, stuff like Roger Corman mm-hmm. and stuff. So you know, Mask of the Red Death being one of one of his most famous uh works uh i love the abominable abominable dr fibes which is basically like the precursor to saw (laughs) you have um house on haunted hill which is one of my all-time like favorite spooky movies not the jeffrey rush one not the jeffrey rush one the one with vincent price really that's a really good one and of course you might know his voice from the thriller from Thriller, because he, mm-hmm. he's that creepy voice that you hear to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. Yeah, pretty. Yep, that's Vincent Price, and he also uh, one of the most interesting things too. He did another animated movie called The Thief and the Cobbler, and it was one of those movies where the production for it took so long that the movie came out after he died. Good God! Yeah, it's 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 an interesting production, Thief and the Cobbler. But going away from that, Radigan is really. The, the thing to watch this movie for. Vincent Price is rad again. I mean, he's really good. The animation is perfectly tied to the vocal performance. And I think Vincent Price really gives it his all. Like, clearly, he's being Vincent Price. But unlike some other, like, sometimes when you hear, like, a celebrity or a well known actor yes. in an animated yes, movie, yes, sometimes yes. they're just like, you can, you can hear them cashing in the paycheck <laughs> as you're listening to their. You role. literally hear the ching. <laughs> yeah, the ching. <laughs> you you literally. He is putting in so much effort, and 
like I said, the animation is just paired perfectly with his performance. All the movements of this character, you know, when he's trying to be graceful and, you know, like a deli- almost like a James Bond villain at times, or then when he becomes completely insane or mad, it, it's just, it works so well. It's so good. And his songs, his songs, I think are some of the best Disney villain songs of all time. Like the world's greatest criminal mind and the criminally underrated goodbye so soon wasn't that your letterbox review yes my letterbox review was uh goodbye so soon is criminally underrated (laughs) yeah no it's a good song even if it's like broken up because like it's played on a record even though it's still good you can listen to it on the soundtrack though like the full thing you can um you can listen to the great mouse detective soundtrack go do that (laughs) another thing i wanted to bring up too is you guys were are obviously huge fans of um, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Aladdin's a great movie. Well, our directors, two of two of our four directors here are uh, are John Musker and Ron Clemens, who would go on to direct not only Aladdin but also Little Mermaid, and they would direct Moana. I, I feel like, and uh, I think Princess and the Frog. They, they've directed a bunch of stuff, and they're you know they directed some really you know some real classics. Uh, in the Disney library. Like, guaranteed, you've seen one of their movies and or grew up with one of their movies. Like, they're they're typically, like, go-to dudes when it comes to... <laughs> go-to dudes? Ha! <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Ron Clements did Hercules, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he? Hold on. Yes, that, that's the... that's I think that's the one I'm forgetting is Hercules. Yeah, Thank you for... Cause, um, bringing it up. I think I think, I think, I think so. he and um Musker did did that. They also did Treasure Planet, which I love. Um Princess and the Frog you mentioned. I'm looking at I'm on their I'm on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> Just, you know, making it easier on myself. Um they did uh I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's still pretty good roster though. Really good, really good roster of um, of things, you know. And again, like that, this was before all of those movies that we just mentioned, you know. So this this definitely was was helpful, you know. And the the movie itself got pretty good reviews from from what I understand, you know. But also just going stepping away from some of that, I it, it's obviously a two D animated movie, you know. It's you know the cl- classic two D animation that Disney was known for back in the day. But th- this was the first use of CGI in a Disney animated movie. A lot of the time people bring up like Beauty and the Beast with the famous ballroom scene. Or, um, you know, I think some of Aladdin when he, they're trying to escape the Cave of Wonders. Yeah. There's some computer elements. I think, I, isn't, isn't the actual like Cave of Wonders head CG? I think, yeah, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. If, if I remember um, That wouldn't surprise me. The, the whole head itself is CG. But I didn't like again. I didn't having not knowing not knowing too much about this movie to begin with. Um, when that came up, I was kind of surprised. Like you don't you don't like when you think of like early CG, you don't think of like a mid eighties movie. So it's it's just kind of it was kind of surprising. Like when that happens, and you're like you either you don't know and you're just like wow, this is like really crazy, like r- crazily weirdly like good animation, like to make it look three dimensional like that. What? It still holds up and holds up all these years later. I th- I think it looks really good. Honestly, like in situations like that where they have that kind of um, CG 
uh, it, it tends to to look and work a lot better than like say when they make a full CG movie. Like as much as I love Toy Story, like that movie admittedly has aged a little bit as far as like its look, just because it's gotten better and better and better over time. But like moments like that in a two D animated movie, like it doesn't age really. Like it still looks good. You know it's you know it's not animated. You know it's not like hand drawn animation, but it still works. The whole the, the movie. I think the the characters are pretty likable. You know that mm-hmm. like they got they got good good chemistry, a good like personalities. I mean, granted they they had Zootopia a lot long ago, and I love Zootopia, but like I kind of wish they had more of those like anthropomorphic kind of Disney animated movies where like characters are like just walking around like because like cause if you think about it like the whole like the whole team of Disney mascots are all anthropomorphic clothes wearing animals. And yet, like, the main focus is, like, Disney princesses. Not to knock Disney princesses, but at the same time, it's just kind of surprising that the majority... That you don't really get a whole lot of, like, those types of movies from Disney the way that... At least not so much anymore. Mm, yeah, well, that's true. Disney princesses sell. This is that's... true. I do remember, like, I when I... Because I, I used to work at the Disney store, and we had a vast amounts of these like barbie doll disney princess dolls that like that and the cars toys were the ones we had to stock every single day because they would sell like that but i guess i guess i just kind of miss those types of movies but i'm glad that at least we have like zootopia because i love zootopia a lot so and zootopia made a billion dollars yes like so it, it and that's like that could you know lead to some interesting decisions um in the future but yeah, think about other things with Grey's Mouse Detective. Like, I, I think that the camaraderie works out pretty well. But it's also really funny too how Dawson, who's sort of like the movies like Watson, <laughs> Doctor Dawson, he's just like on the street. <laughs> he just gets involved, <laughs> and it's just like he's just there. Like Richard, you and I kept joking throughout the movie. Listen, it's just like, listen, I'm just here I to just drop got the kid here. off. Just, I don't know what's going on. This kid just was like there, and I was just trying to make you know be like, "Are you okay? Where's your mom and dad?" And they're like. They got kidnapped, and then like you know, I helped her find you, and now I'm good. I can go because I, I mean, I literally had to have come here for a reason. I didn't just randomly show up. You gotta wonder, like he had some like really serious like surgical appointment, <laughs> and he, while he was on his way there, and so instead of like going to that to like save his life, he gets he gets roped into like solving this mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh, oh i gotta get that thing removed i'll be back in a second i was supposed to do this like five hours ago you know what he's a brave a brave lad because he was able to help um help save the the you know the english uh country of mice or whatever <laughs> mousedom from, from radigan taking over mousedom yes um <laughs> and then like radigan's plan to to have like a like a, an automaton like robot Queen, did you did you give him um, power? Um did you, I think um when we were watching it, uh what was commented was um this is probably what Trump does to like prove that uh you know like he actually won the election or something, so like have like a robot Biden show up. <laughs> I was thinking it, I just didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> that tends to happen on the show, like people who don't who don't want to say certain things, I end up blurting it out, so that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> but that was funny <laughs> oh oh man oh but but basil but basil but basil and radigan like oh, their their dynamic oh my god is what, what did what did you say when we were watching it 
Like, what did you say? Like their 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 dynamic was. I, I said that they were like they they were like like they were boyfriends at one point. Something happened with one of them, and now they hate each other. Like, no, because they go through such like ridiculous like acts. Like Basil <laughs> has a picture of Radigan that constantly changes its face throughout the throughout the thing. Like sometimes you'll see it like just smile, then it just grins widely, or like. The, the Radigan, the best scene is Radigan has this whole death trap device set up. <laughs> like it's like basically a game of mouse trap to just to just to get Basil. And I'm just like, you wouldn't have done that if it was just somebody you just didn't like. Like you, you, you there's a little, there's clearly a lot more going on that they're not telling us. I demand an explanation. He even recorded an entire song. <laughs> he recorded an that entire song, song which it, I agree it slaps and it's just the weirdest thing that someone would put that much effort like just to go that extra unless they possibly were in love and now he's seeing him run around with Dawson and he's like what the hell it was supposed to be about us see I <laughs> see I like to think that that um there was like a missing rat, uh, missing Basil song number, and that was actually the real origin of "No Chance, No Way." I won't say I'm in love. <laughs> you just see a bunch of rats just doing like the 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 chorus, like the background singing. No, it, it, no, it's like it's some it's some of the mice and like that like one like salamander dude like like as like the chorus. <laughs> oh my god! Like bat, like bat, like um. Uh, Radigan's just really mad that that Basil's hanging out with Dawson, and and he's like, "Well, you got that that little that bad fella. What? You think I would date him? <laughs> you think I would do like, so low? You got the wrong. <laughs> you got the wrong idea, buddy. No, 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 no. We. <laughs> I've asked many times. He said no. <laughs> oh, but Richard, I wanted to bring this up with that bat because that bat has has such a distinct voice, right? Mm -hmm. And it's played by an actor named uh, Candy Ca Candido, and this man, okay, he's like a radio guy, but also voiced a lot of animated movies. This man has been was in Peter Pan as the Indian chief. He was in um, uh, Robin Hood as one of the as like the commander of the guards or one of the guards or whatever, and his career goes back a while. The Wizard of Oz, he was the angry apple tree. Like, you know what? When I hear the angry apple tree and I hear the bat, it makes sense. No, it, it's like, I, I look at the bat and I'm like, you're just like a cousin of like the, the flying monkeys. <laughs> How would you like if someone tried to go and pick something off of you? <laughs> oh, it's, man. yeah, I hear it. I can't not hear it now. Great Mouse Detective, really short movie too, like seven, 74 minutes, 74 minutes long, um, it's on Disney Plus, guys. I mean, any other like thoughts on this movie? Uh, Alex, would you watch this again after watch? Because this you said this was your first time. Like, would you? Do you think you like? Do you think like on your own merit would you watch this again? Oh, definitely. I think uh, it definitely has the value for me to go watch it again. And I know you compared it to like the the Black Cauldron earlier. Um, definitely would watch this before the Black Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's another one i i because I, I mentioned that in the last episode that like black cauldron was a movie that i watched for the first time this year and i'm like i like john hurt yeah yeah <laughs> that that's a positive yeah there's there's that you know. but 
Yeah, I definitely, especially with it being on Disney Plus. Like, is it a movie I'd go out of my way to buy? Not unless I saw a good deal on it, in my opinion. But that's also just my opinion. My girlfriend, on the other hand, would probably buy it the first chance she got. Right. Listen, if if it, it, whatever her birthday is coming up, well, I should just give her just for Christmas. <laughs> there hey, you go. We, we just watched this like a month ago, but <laughs> you said you loved it when you grew up with it, so here you go. Shout, shout out to uh, Jessica, by the way, who I met, and she's very nice, and uh, I'm happy for you, Alex, because you guys got engaged, didn't you? Yes, so I should say my fiance. Oh, congratulations. That's uh, awesome, bring, bringing, bringing that to 2020. 2020 can suck that. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, 2020. But yeah, I think this is a really, like, if you've never seen this before, I definitely recommend it. I think the animation is really good. It has some groundbreaking stuff with like the the CGI clock sequence in Big Ben. I think the tone is really interesting compared to other Disney movies. Vincent Price, I mean, Vincent Price, I'd say just about any movie with him is a must watch, you know. Yeah. But that that's that's just I'm biased, but with all that said, we're going to take a brief brief intermission and fly all the way to Big Ben, but when we come back, we're going to go from the pre Disney Renaissance era to the post Disney Renaissance era. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. No, really, you can knock it off now. <laughs> That's more like it. Well, it's Thanksgiving night here at the Wayne County Care Center in sunny Wooster, Ohio. And you know what I love most about Thanksgiving? <laughs> you really want to know? <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Tell you. My favorite part of Thanksgiving is the joy of gathering together with friends and family around Grandpa's old phonograph and listening to some goldie oldie little ditties. Who could forget the holiday songs of Furlan Husky? <laughs> yes. Nelson Eddy. <laughs> and my personal favorite, Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets. Here's a great little Thanksgiving classic to soothe your jangled nerves. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature uh, with special third dude, Alex Ford. Hello. And uh, we just talked about... Oh, what, sorry. Well, I, what? I just said I'm, I'm excited to still be here and not be kicked off during intermission. <laughs> uh, we're, you know what? We, we would never do that. Well, that's good. That's what the <laughs> editing process is for 
I'm kidding. Oh yeah, <laughs> just a, just a lot of like blank like replies with they're like who are who are they answering right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, we're having a good um, time too. So we're glad to have you. Yeah, we're having a good time. So uh, we just talked about a pre-Renaissance Disney film. Now we're going to the year two thousand and one. The year I was ten years old. It's crazy. Man, so old. <laughs> I was I was nine. Oh so old. Oh man. So we're going to two thousand one to watch another fairly underrated Disney movie. In fact, you can almost argue this one's be kind of become a cult classic since a lot of kids like myself and like uh like Alex who grew up with this movie has become some somewhat of a cult classic for people our age. The adventure film Atlantis the Lost Empire. Right. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with this one. Unlike uh, the Great Mouse Detective, this one was one of my favorite childhood movies growing up. I mean, it wasn't from my early childhood, but you know, nine years old on, like, I will never turn down watching this movie. I mean, when you're at that age, it's very much like when you watch media from at that point, and something really connects with you. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to have like, you know, you're you're just going to be continuing to watch it you know years and years to come oh yeah like even even just watching it for this show has is just it brings back those like old feelings of just being thrilled by it and being like you know just just you know just thoroughly excited about about it so i'm actually really excited to talk about this one atlantis the lost empire is very much very much an adventure film and Kind of like Great Mouse Detective, how we said it's not exactly what you think of when you think of Disney. This, I feel like, it's even farther from what you think of um, as far mm-hmm. as far as Disney. I'd agree. Yeah, you know, very much an adventure film. No real songs, except for you know the credits, because every movie's got to have a song of the credits, unless it's otherwise it's not legit. Sorry, unless you're a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what they said at the Disney board meeting when they suggested just to play music. No. You heathen, we need to play a song. It needs to be one song. Can, can we just turn the radio on and record? No! <laughs> play a song. You find an artist, you write the song, and you put it on the credits. They're very angry at Disney. <laughs> yeah. So, we got we got a team. We got a team of folks. And they're going to fi- trying to find the lost city. Of Atlantis, which is, of course, you know, a very famous, very famous thing that's been used in media and, and other things time and time again. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if this was my introduction to the concept of the city of Atlantis, because it just feels like one of those like concepts that anybody is free to use. It was mine. Yeah, mine, too. Because like I didn't like I always liked mythology and I always liked you know, all that different types of, like, mystical types of, like, stories from history or whatnot. And when you first hear about this idea of the possibility of there being an entire, like, advanced civilization, like an entire continent, just that could have been out in the world that got lost because of some cataclysmic event or the wrath of gods or whatever it may be be and then like the ocean just devours this entire continent like it's it's kind of like it it's one of those things that especially you know when you're a young kid for me at least sparked this 
um, desire of cur- like this curiosity of wanting to learn more about things even and wanting to like you know learn more about stuff like this like you know all these other types of mythology like I still remember like in sixth grade when we were learning about Greek mythology and Greek gods I was like are we going to talk about Atlantis like I was genuinely like hyped about the idea of possibly doing that the only downside is you're not learning about this Atlantis <laughs> no yeah it's like it's like are you telling me there was no shepherd's journal what it's not in iceland (laughs) like there's what are you talking about i saw it in a movie are you saying michael j fox lied to me because i don't believe you because michael j fox would always tell the truth yeah he's been back to the future he's been (laughs) he knows he does these things he's fought ghosts (laughs) frighteners reference in case you guys don't know but no, like it's it's it was a movie like Atlantis that really sparked that kind of desire and curiosity for stuff like that. So like I always get excited whenever I hear about stuff like that. I like I even remember when um cuz I love the Assassin's Creed games when um they did Assassin's Creed Odyssey which was set in Greek mythology like you play like a Spartan and my first thought was cuz like they started adding more mythological elements to the more recent games. I was like are we going to be able to go to Atlantis? So the first thing I did was try to find Atlantis, and it's apparently it's like an end of the game kind of thing. So I kind of jumped forward because <laughs> I was, I just found it and I was like, oh, I didn't even know it was in the game. Yeah, I have to actually play it. It's actually like really cool. Uh, I won't spoil too much more then, but uh, it's actually like I was really excited to find that out. So like, um, and also it kind of sparked a, a desire for like Greek mythology too, just like loving all those different stories and like Zeus and all that stuff. So it's like that and Hercules kind of were a combination of things. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things with with Atlantis that it definitely that definitely drew me in as I got older. Richard knows this. I'm a huge fan of the Disney version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It is one of my definitely like my top 10 favorite movies ever. And this movie definitely has some like steampunk elements to it like that movie, you know, and I was also saying this too, like it makes me think of like when they were first like approaching like that giant like submarine or whatever, it made me think of like a steampunk Pacific Rim. So I was just ima- imagining. Vinny, we are drift compatible. <laughs> hey, look, our, bri- our mind's bridged. It only took it like what? 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it, it was, especially those early elements in the movie, like, like you have people like explorers trying to like think about oh what if this continent exists and and things like that i think it's so hard nowadays to have things like that because we know so much about the world now compared like a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. you know or two uh, 200 years ago where they had they imagined these things as like you know as monster like especially a lot of sea creatures just as monsters and things so it's very hard to me to come up have a concept like that where it's it's truly like the world is truly unbelievable but it also mixes that like almost like 19th or early 20th century like feeling uh, of of like exploration um exploration and uh, adventure you know it's it's almost like you know these days you know because we have the internet and because we have access to all this information like literally sitting in our pockets half the time yeah you know i think people sort of lose that sense of curiosity nowadays just like oh you know though like it's that quick fix like oh how does this work and then they just google it or something and it's like oh okay so like no one no one really has a sense of curiosity anymore the way like a 
like a classic style explorer really has to like want to see because there's like there's so much there's so much on this planet that we don't know like you know because we just don't have the technology we don't have the capability like we can't go down to like certain depths of the ocean because we just can't withstand the pressure we haven't invented anything thus far to be able to do that so like we can only do so much and we're you know as time goes on hopefully we'll learn more and more about the various vast mysteries but um it's sad that there's just not that much curiosity in that way anymore so it's it's nice um to to see to see movies like that you know that kind of especially for for kids at a young age could watch the movie and hopefully like gain that kind of feeling and just gain that sense of curiosity that um is kind of missing Mm, for sure i got a lot out of this movie (laughs) it's very i have it next to me actually i have the blu-ray like can you hear that i can hear it yes but i I don't know if the audience members really want to hear your blu-rays like shaking about (laughs) i I have my disney plus open next to me i can shake that but i don't know if they'll hear it (laughs) You just get your TV and just go. <laughs> you just hear a loud pop. Oh man! <laughs> like I didn't break it. <laughs> but I do. I I do agree with you on the the sense of like how this movie really, especially growing up, like it makes you want to explore too. Because I don't know if there was a kid our age who watched this movie and didn't say, "I want to go find Atlantis." That's the thing. Oh my god. I still want to find Atlantis. I do too, except I think they might have found it. I don't remember. I think... They found it. They probably found, like, at least something close to they it. They said they found statues from there. That's all I know. It, I, I watch the History Channel until the alien guy pops on, then I turn the TV off. <laughs> but um, I, will, I do want to ask you, Joey, like, you know, I know Alex and I kind of... Like, when did you first watch Atlantis? I watched it... I know I watched it as a kid. I don't remember if I saw, I, I think I saw it in theaters, but again, I remember that summer was like dominated by Shrek. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's one of the, we could talk about that in a, in a bit. Like that summer was dominated by Shrek. I definitely remember my friends being really into it. You know, I mean, it's one of those Disney movies where it's definitely like, you know, definitely for boys. I mean, girls can enjoy it too, but like, it's definitely, they had that, that demographic in mind when they were making this, yeah. this movie. Um, and I definitely remember watching it on VHS, and I remember the trailers, you know, like with all like the like all the cut like the blues from the trailers, and like seeing the like the creatures fly, like especially like the teaser, um, the teaser for this thing, you know. So, uh, yeah, that that was my thing. But it's one of those like I, when I was a kid, I was like I thought it was all right, but it's definitely one where I've I've appreciated it more and more as time went on to where it's like, yeah, I, I would definitely rewatch this, you know, just for a lot of it, just like for that atmosphere too. And the, the animation is really, I think really nice and distinct too, for a, for a Disney movie. Like sometimes like with Disney movies, they can have a tent. Some of them have a tendency to look like it's the same thing. I can't say that this looks exactly the same as like some of the other movies coming out at that period. I so, you know why it's distinct. Like this is actually one of the coolest things about this movie especially if you're a comic book fan. Yeah. Because one of the most distinct aspects of it is the fact that a lot of the the design and a lot of the way the characters look were help were designed by uh Mike Mignola who is a very uh very fantastic comic book illustrator and is very famous for creating Hellboy 
and the whole like Hellboy universe. And he also uh, drew a lot of amazing comics. One of my favorites was, uh, uh, of course, it's a Batman book, Gotham by Gaslight, which is the uh, Jack the Ripper book where Batman fights Jack the Ripper, which is just a cool idea. So, like, obviously, when I went, you know, when I first watched this when I'm a kid, like, I don't, like, I don't think about that stuff because I don't know who Mike Mignola is. I don't, I don't make that connection. But years later, you know, becoming a as much of a fan of comics as I am and finding that connection makes it significantly more exciting. And it makes so much sense when you look at the character illustrations. <laughs> no, I was saying this to you. Like, if you remove the pupils out of those characters, I'm like, yeah, totally. I could see this popping out of like a, out of a Hellboy book or or something. Um, one of the big things too, and I was saying this to you, there were so many things we could have paired Atlantis with, but one of the things that was, that stuck out to me the most was the, the animated series, Johnny quest, the Hanna-Barbera action series. Very, I mean, there's some moments of comedy, of course, but like, it's a very serious show in a lot of areas. And one of the, the main guys, the main guys who basically came up with the design for the show was Doug Wildey, who was a comics illustrator and he was sort of like the guy that that spearheaded a lot of that show, and it, it definitely made me like think of this movie where Mignola's foot uh, fingerprints are all over this, um, are definitely all over this project when it comes to like the technology, the creatures, uh, the character designs, um, especially you know definitely has that comic book feeling, which I think is one of those reason one of the reasons too why this is definitely one of those where maybe if it didn't. What wasn't quite a hit back when it came out, it's definitely something that is more popular now with people as a cult, um, as a cult offering, because, you know, now you're, you're, you're an older person, you still enjoy Disney, but you want to see something that's maybe a little, you know, a, a little less sugary, a little less, you know, sweet and a bit more, more, or maybe more awe-inspiring, a bit more interesting. Like, this is definitely a movie that I think a kid could watch for sure, but it's also something where... It feels like a more mature, like, children's film, um, if that makes sense. Like, when you watch something like The Incredibles, where The Incredibles, it's like, you could definitely watch it as a kid, but you're going to get a lot more out of it as an adult, I feel like. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. And, like, the funny, like, it's funny, too, to think about that, because I was watching, like, a lot of the bonus features before this, and, um, like, when they even, like, came up with the concept of doing something like this, it was all harkened back to this idea of wanting to like tap into those like old adventure like swiss family robinson you know Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea type movies that disney was doing a lot back in the day and um the the idea of uh as they said in the in the bonus features no one makes them like they used to anymore so let's make them like they used to <laughs> so it's, it's like that old guy approach but you know what it worked that's the perfect least for me that's the perfect way to describe this movie i think yeah you know they don't make them like they used to, so let's make it how like, they used. That's that's <laughs> let's make it how they used to. That's really good. And I also I also loved um, the adage. I'm paraphrasing on this too, but like I love that when they were making this movie, they wanted they their main focus was obviously breaking away from the typical formula of musicals and fairy tales and Disney. Uh, well, not necessarily Disney princesses, but we'll get into that. But um, this idea of trading musical numbers for explosions mm -hmm. you know like doing like 
it's almost funny like you watch the movie and like every action sequence you would imagine maybe in a, in a normal disney movie a musical number would happen or like you know milo would just be like i have the shepherd's journal in my hand from my grandpa <laughs> but in this they're like no nah, we're not doing that we're just gonna blow stuff up but it was it's it's crazy because like especially at that time it was like a really risky uh move in a way and like it was different it was different but it was one that um what kept in the spirit of like the way walt disney does things and like when walt was making movies like he didn't just want to keep repeating himself and this is i know you've said this to me joey yeah that and that yeah it's like when walt i don't know if you said this story alex but back in the day one of walt's big hits as far as the shorts were concerned was the three little pigs huge thing and it's the most famous silly symphonies that he did but then they did like two or three more silly symphonies and they were not nearly as successful and nobody remembers them. I'm sure you didn't even know that there were two or three other ones now that I mention it. And Walt was just like, this is why I don't like doing sequels. You know, he didn't. And especially when you watch like going back to like the golden age, we watch Disney's first five movies. They're very distinct. Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia. Ba uh, you know, Bambi and Dumbo, they are about as different, like, five movies as you could get, you know, when you really think about it. And it was really, what it, I think with, with Atlantis and, like, some of the pre- and post-Renaissance Disney movies is that a lot of them are very different kinds of movies. Like, you have Emperor's New Groove from around this time period, which is a very different movie. Great movie. Probably my favorite in that post-Renaissance, pre-revival period. Um, and you had Treasure, Treasure Planet, you have a Home on the Range, and uh, some, some other... <laughs> what? What, what, what? What was that? Home on the Range! <laughs> oh my god, you blew my ears out. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue. No, but like, yeah, like all those... <laughs> And 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 brother, ba I mean, there's there are some weird ones that Disney was making in like the later part of the Renaissance period, and then afterwards, like Tarzan. I mean, yeah, it's still part of that Renaissance era, but I would say it's starting to it was starting to lean towards what would be well. I almost think almost classify it as a post Renaissance movie, honestly, with the way the style is, and a lot of it is just like their songs, but it's not like Tarzan is singing the song. It's Phil Collins just jamming out really hard. You know, it's as the soundtrack of the movie. You can't complain about Phil Collins. No, you can't. Absolutely not. I agree. So, but I, I can agree with you in that aspect. Yeah, it's not the character singing. It's just, it's like, hey, get Phil Collins in here and he's going to sing to this movie. And it worked. It did. It was different, but it worked. Sometimes it's all you need. Two worlds, one family. I can't sing anymore. Copyright. Uh. <laughs> Unless Disney wants to sponsor us. <laughs> Can't do it. I think one of the other things that's also appealing with this movie too are is the cast of characters mm -hmm. that we have. We talked about the oh, design. The oh my we god. We talked about the design, but I think also too you got to have good voices attached to them. And I think this has got one hell of a cast. I mean, just at the top, you have you know, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Michael J. Fox leading the charge as Milo Thatch. And then um, just going, like, there's so many, like, amazing actors in this thing. You got Michael J. Fox, you have James Garner, the late, great James Garner, late, great um, John uh, Mahoney, and uh, the late, great Jim Varney, who, um, very sadly, died before he the movie even came out, because he, he, I think he had lung cancer, 
And so, sadly, you know, he, he did the movie knowing that he was sick, and yet, you know, knowing that he might not... Like, that's a sad thought, admittedly. But, you know, he did... He turned in a great performance as uh, Cookie, who's, like, one of the best characters. He has got one of the... Some of the best lines in there, like, you know, the four the four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, lard. <laughs> Dang, lightning bug done bit me on my sit upon. <laughs> Somebody gonna have to suck out this poison. Now everybody jump, jump up at once. Oh, man. And, of course, you know, you got to mention um, the legend himself, Mr. Leonard Nimoy, playing the King of Atlantis. You know, oh, my God, this cast. So many great people. So many great people. I know you um, were you you were mentioning John Mahoney before we were recording. Uh, yeah, Alex. I, I mean, I just I love John Mahoney. I think he's probably not one of the bigger name people, but he's done. He's done his fair share. Admittedly, I love him because I love the show Frasier. Mm. That <laughs> isn't he isn't he Frazier's dad? Frazier's dad and uh yeah he just passed away two years ago in 2018 but i mean he's he's got some good movies under his belt too but i mean iconic it's Frazier's dad oh for sure the characters like you were saying like there's so many like iconic characters and everybody i almost feel like everybody has some kind of line or quote that i even today i still will say like Vinny, um i quote all of his lines all the time like you know there's obviously the classic look i made the bridge it only took me like a what ten seconds, eleven tops, or like um I love uh, I love uh, the, when he first meets Milo and Milo's like what do you got in there? He's like oh eh, gunpowder, nitroglycerin, notepads, fuses, wicks, glue, eh, paper clips, big ones. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I love I love when he meets when Milo meets the doctor. And he's just like, I need you to fill both of these up. <laughs> these huge, like, beakers that are the size of the dude's head. <laughs> or, like, when he, uh, oh my god. And we, like, Mrs. Packard, I think, is probably the most underrated character. Like, all the characters. Yes. Mrs. Packard just doesn't give a crap about anything. <laughs> like, the, the ship's being attacked by the Leviathan monster. And she's still on the phone with her with uh, Margie, chain smoking away, like, <laughs> like Margie, honey, I don't think he's gonna call. <laughs> like Packard, uh, I gotta call you back. No, no, I'll call you. <laughs> We're all gonna die. <laughs> oh man, like so many great quotable lines, and then of course, um, uh, Gaetan Moliere. Uh, amazing character by uh, voiced by Corey Burton. Essentially, this like um, dirty French guy. <laughs> All he wants to do is dick. Can, can I just can I just say I feel like if this movie had been successful, I think he would have been the precursor to Olaf. Because I feel like oh I my saw god, him, I feel like I saw him everywhere, and I think that's part of the reason why I was so hesitant with this movie for a long time was because of that. I was so annoyed with that character as a child for some reason. <laughs> I can see that completely. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, like not to not to diss him now i mean i love cory burton i think he does a good job and the animation is good it's just i think just like, as a kid i was just like whatever get this so, thing out of my face so what you're saying is if they do a live action atlantis josh yeah. gad should play molier that would be a, that'd be perfect that casting be in my opinion. that would be perfect that was casting. actually gonna be my questions uh my question for you guys because it is always talked about on the internet is uh since they started redoing live actions a lot of people want this as a live action remake and like I'd see it. 
they'd have to cast it well, but Josh Gad would be good as Moliere. Yeah, Josh Gad I, would be good as Moliere. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex, because I feel like, because I follow a bunch of Disney pages, and I feel like every month somebody posts the same damn live action fan cast where they're like <laughs> James Franco as Milo, and then they'll have like a, a, like a whole cast for, it. for this thing. And I'm like, guys, guys, this isn't 10 years ago. This isn't like 10, 15 years ago where you could get away with that. Please stop posting yeah. this. Please. Well, you know what? You know, how about this? All right. Let's let's just let's do a quick live action fan cast right here and now, like off the cuff. Well, I d- I don't know if I agree with it, but the, whoever's posting that needs to update it because now people are saying Tom Holland for Milo. I thought of that today. I, he would. <laughs> that be, was. I mean, I, I like that a lot. He he's already going to be Nathan Drake. Might as well just make him Milo too. <laughs> But I guess, like, you gotta have somebody who could play, like, a a more somewhat, like, I guess nerdy, like, somewhat, like, if, if, if Jesse Eisenberg wasn't, like, if I could, if I can't not think about him as, like, um, Lex Luthor, I'd almost say he'd be a really good Milo, just because, like, he's good at, like, that nervous thing. Yeah, but I think Lex Luthor did ruin him. Like, if we're talking pre-Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg, I'd almost argue him. Especially they have the same jawline. Yeah, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, didn't you say um, Tommy Lee Jones as uh, Rourke? Yeah, but but did you you didn't bring up my uh, my my, uh, my, <laughs> my my dumb idea? Where basically it would just be Tommy Lee Jones's face on like a really buff body. <laughs> and you just CG. I just see put his face. But actually, my other idea. This would have been very cliche too, because because of his character in Avatar, uh, Stephen Lang. Uh, but that'd be well, you good. know, uh, oddly enough, I would I could totally see Zoe Saldana as um, Kida. Yeah, that would be good. I want to buy. I want to see that movie now. Damn it, Richie. Can we, like, like we got Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> Josh Gad, um, Stephen Lang, Tommy Lee Jones combo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we got Zoe Saldana. That movie's gonna make a bit. That movie's gonna be number one at the box office. What? Just that. Just because you got Zoe Saldana, who's been in like a number one movie. Oh, oh, you know what? You know who needs? I don't know who he would play, but you know who? Who I feel like would be in this movie? Who? Just for whatever, John C. Riley. Yeah, I actually was thinking <laughs> along those lines. He could be Moliere. He could if, be if Josh. He'd be good Moliere. Yeah. That'd be funny. But I, I think I think but but overall, I think Atlantis would be one of the ones I'd be the most interested in because yeah, I don't. I mean, as much as I enjoy this movie, I don't have like a huge nostalgic attachment to it. Where I'm going to go in with all these like preconceptions or whatever, mm-hmm. so I feel mm-hmm. like they could like expand on what was great about the original, but also try to actually like do their own thing in a way that I think that would be, you know, in a way that wouldn't be so controversial. Um, you know, whereas when you see the other live action remakes, they do they remake things that are so beloved that they tr- yeah. when they do change something, it feels awkward. Mm-hmm. Like I'm listen. The movie's already done. Can people stop complaining that Mushu is not in the new Mulan? No. I'm sorry, he's not. He's in the animated one. Watch that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just stop doing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, no, I agree with that. That and, and Plus, it'd be nice to see, like, like a classic-style, like, live-action adventure movie on the big screen like that. I mean, I know, like, Disney has been doing a few more of those lately, especially since Pirates of the Caribbean was so successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got Jungle Cruise coming out pretty soon. So, like, at least they're, like, in that ballpark. So now they just need to pivot. Did you want to talk about that one movie 
that was oh the, yeah the okay one thing i'm sorry. so this is actually kind of a really interesting thing because so i don't know for do you know about the whole like kimba the white lion thing with lion king i it's like ringing a bell but i can't think of it essentially when lion king came out obviously it was a big hit and it was very beloved and you know even today it's considered like top tier disney animation but it has a pretty like crazy controversy in that um you know there was a anime called kimba the white lion that came out i believe it's called kimba the white lion and there's a lot about it even just the fact that the character is named kimba which is so close to simba that you know a lot of people felt that disney ripped off uh, Kimbo with Lion King even just like imagery and even a few story beats I'm not familiar personally with the whole like narrative of Kimba but there's like a million video essays on YouTube if you want to know more about that but similar to that situation Atlantis also dealt with something like that because um, Atlantis also similar to Lion King um, while being based on Greek mythology isn't necessarily based on anything it's an original story uh, with original characters but the thing is, um, a lot of people claimed, especially when it came out, that they plagiarized a anime from, I believe, the early 90s called Nadia, the, the Secret of Blue Water. I have heard of that, yeah. You heard of that? Yeah. So, like, um, if you look up some of the images and, like, a couple scenes, it is strikingly similar. Like, it's almost like, you're like, okay, okay. <laughs> This is a this, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Even just um, the fact that like when you look at the when you look at Milo and you look at uh, one of the characters from not like uh, Nadia, they look fairly similar. Just one significantly younger than the other. So there's just there's a lot of like striking similarities, and it's actually just a really interesting situation. Like the difference being that with Lion King. Um, it was a massive hit and, you know, uh, whereas Atlantis wasn't. So with Atlantis, like this, this whole factoid just kind of fades away. Whereas because Lion King is still so prevalent in our culture that people still talk about it and people like, I even remember when John Favreau did his movie and I was like, do you think they're like the Kimba thing is going to come back up? I mentioned that on Facebook and I got yelled at admittedly. <laughs> <laughs> Were people really upset about that? I think I think people were more upset that like at, at that point I think they were more upset that I was saying that Lion King prob- probably ripped something off. Uh, I thought you meant Disney came <laughs> after you to shut you down so you wouldn't talk about it. I think it might have been something like that, but I think at that time I think people actually had like somewhat of an issue with it. But when Atlantis came out, they they want they 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 contemplated actually suing Disney for plagiarism, but because Disney is Disney. They didn't. It's also worth noting, too, that unlike Lion King, which Lion King, if I'm not mistaken, is like the highest grossing 2D animated movie, Atlantis is like the opposite of that, unfortunately. Did they actually make a profit on Atlantis? I'm sure they did, but... Well, okay. It's, well, because the movie, because movie, movie economics are weird. Because the movie worldwide made like 180-something million worldwide. And like the movie cost 120 million to make, and you still got to split that money with you know diff- the theater just the, the theater exhibition, 
And, you know, some people might get a piece of the pie of the movie. So at the end of the day, Disney did not make what they wanted to. And they classified it as a disappointment um, as far as box office uh, was concerned. It did make an additional like $153 million off of home video alone. But that was over like a, almost like a year and a half, two year period. And home video is just not the same now, obviously. It's a very different market. That and also, um, like at that time too, like it probably didn't help that it didn't get the best reviews. Oh yeah. It wasn't a critical darling, nor was it a box office darling. I do remember Roger Ebert gave it uh, three and a half stars out of four, so that feels nice. But <laughs> and I like Roger Ebert. But um, uh, typically the reviews for, for Atlantis weren't necessarily strong. A lot of people felt that it just, um, like, a lot of people didn't really like the, the the story. People thought it wasn't as, just near as good. Especially when you have uh, Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise, the directors of the film, um, with Beauty and the Beast being their, like, f- like first big, like, their first movie they do for Disney gets, you know, is a huge hit. Best Picture nomination. And then they go and they do, um, was it Hunchback and Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they, they do that. these two big musicals, then it's like, oh, hey, we're going to do this, like, adventure movie, and it's just, like, I imagine a lot of people, like, had some hype because of that, but maybe it just didn't pan out, I don't know. Yeah. But that's what that's what happens sometimes when you take risks, is that it doesn't pan out, but you know what? I think it panned out, because I love this movie! I agree. I think it panned out well. I, I watched it enough times, maybe they made their money back. <laughs> 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 I'll buy the Blu-ray again if that helps. You know, it's 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 one of those things where Disney is not in the business of making a cult classic, but they do have a cult classic. They will try to ape and, like, merchandise the crap out of it. See things like Hocus Pocus, you know, like we talked about. Um, you know, there, there's, so ma- there's a bunch of them where Disney wants to be like, hey, remember how much you liked this? And they probably didn't have that much faith in it. <laughs> or, like, you know... They, they push Nightmare Before Christmas. They push Hocus Pocus. Where's the push for Atlantis? Especially because here, this movie, while maybe targeted towards boys, while maybe it doesn't have any musical numbers, it's still a Disney princess movie. It is. It is very much a Disney princess movie. And I, like, like I remember, I, like, I mentioned I worked at the Disney store. I still remember being so upset that when you see the wall of Disney princesses, there's no Kita. Where's Keita? Yeah. Where's the Disney World ride where I get a ride in the Leviathan? Actually, I'm going to bring up Disney Parks now because there's an attraction in Disneyland. Um, it used to be called the Submarine Voyage, where literally you're on a submarine and you see the, the water and fish. There's fish but and water. Basically, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing with that was that attraction closed down because it was a very expensive attraction to maintain. And they were hoping that Atlantis, some of the Imagineers were hoping that Atlantis would be a successful enough movie to warrant a re-theme of that attraction as like an Atlantis submarine voyage and they would re-theme everything. But Atlantis, as I said, was a financial disappointment, so that didn't happen. So the movie that would eventually re-theme the submarine voyage would be Finding Nemo. And so to this day in Disneyland, you know, Disneyland's closed right now, obviously, but 
you know, at to this day at Disneyland, we have Finding Nemo, the submarine, sub, the Finding Nemo submarine voyage. I mean, it's still fun, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where we could have we could have had an Atlantis thing, but again, because of the financial situation with the movie, mm-hmm. that just did not Which, happen. And that's what sucks. Talking about the Disney parks, I get really close to spiraling about some of the changes that are coming. I don't want to go too far off track for you guys. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever's on your mind. No, because you, I think I've talked to you about it before, Richard. Splash Mountain is being changed, you know, for 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 reasons. Yeah, I talk I talked to Joey about that one a lot. We'll have to bring that one up after the. Do you want to bring that up on the show? Oh I'm no, sorry it's it's your guys' show. It's completely up to you. I just have a hot opinion about it. That's why. I say yeah, go for it if you want. I say no. Yeah, bring it up. Bring yeah, it up. Sorry, a, my my only opinions. Uh, I have no issues with Princess and the Frog, but how can you not do Emperor's New Groove for Splash Mountain? Oh, I didn't even think of that. So that that's that's my oh only... my god, pa, like like pachas, yeah, like yeah, and then just like pull the lever crunk, wrong lever, and you drop because thematically, thematically, it the Emperor's New Groove would not work in that area. Oh yeah, no. They're they're turning the whole area into New Orleans, I think. I do think that's what I've heard. In Disneyland it works because right Splash Mountain is right next to New Orleans Square and even with with, with Disney World it's still a weird thematic thing because it's in Frontierland, but you know, I'm glad you brought it up though cuz that it, it's um it it is an interesting thing. And Princess and the Frog is uh relates to our first movie. Because the same, the directors uh, also were direct directed. Uh, Great Mouse Detective. It all it all comes it all comes together. I have no hate for it. I just I love Splash Mountain for what it is. I understand their reasoning for changing it, but I think the music is so much better from uh, the Splash Mountain ride. I don't I don't disagree with that honestly. It, it's and also like Zippity Doo has almost become like an unoffic like a, almost like a Disney like theme like the disney theme as much as like when you wish upon a star or some of the other you know some of the other songs that are out there but yeah i didn't ride splash mountain sadly what <laughs> that's like one of my fa- that's one of my favorites and that's one of uh my fiance's favorites and i we wrote it in 2019 um since we didn't get to go to disneyland this year because of covid it probably will be the last time we got to ride it well, you know, and f- one thing I will say is that it, it's Disney is continuing construction on things, but I think it'll take them a while to get to Splash Mountain as far as that. So you might you honestly, I think they will try to get people a chance to get on it. I mean, it's, it's obviously Disney World is open now. I wouldn't recommend going there now, but I know like the 50th anniversary for Disney World's coming next year, and they're definitely not going to close down Splash Mountain before the 50th anniversary no. yeah like, that there there would be riots yeah <laughs> just <laughs> and that's i actually when i thought of it i thought they'll probably target uh the disneyland one first especially with it being next to the new orleans square yeah yeah oh yeah but i remember i actually remember when you first told me that there was a plan for there to be an atlantis ride and now it makes me even more mad that it's not that it wasn't like a big hit when it came out. It's <laughs> so, like that would have been so cool. Oh my gosh! Especially because like the whole world that they built for this movie for like the the 
you know, Atlantis itself is so cool. Honestly, like, you know, I like one of the craziest things is that, you know, when you think of Atlantis, you know, the first thing you would probably think of is like Greek mythology and you think of like the connections to Greek mythology um, because it is it's a Greek myth. You know, it's just where it comes from. Um, but when they were doing this movie, they almost like inherently like tried to like avoid anything Greek related because they wanted to do something almost wholly original. And so they, they sort of made it like this like cradle of civilization, like hub, if you will, for like all these other cultures to like kind of springboard off of a little bit. So like when you look at the design for Atlantis, there's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like uh, some like different little cultural things like added into it. And one of the coolest things, like we mentioned Leonard Nimoy's in this movie, one of the coolest things is they got um, Mark Okrand, who created the Klingon language, to make an Atlantean language, which like is insane. <laughs> like and it makes me even more bad it wasn't a hit because there's so much work that was put in and everyone could be talking atlantean right now but no <sighs> i'm so just, sorry just guys. like klingon <laughs> it's like everyone's just talking klingon right now we could all be talking atlantean just saying <laughs> but i just that, that was like one of the cool one of the more cool things about the movie like if I had to, like, think of anything that, like, if I had to, like, criticize about the movie, per se, is that I wish that there was more, like, exploration. Like, because that was all kind of, like, condensed into a montage sort of thing. But they did, they did like, plan out a bunch of sequences where, like, there was going to be a bunch of different types of monsters. Like, I think there was, like, a squid bat or something. And then there was, like, a lava whale, which would end up being in the, in that, you know, that sequel that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Milo does not return, okay? That sequel's lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's actually one of the things I think they would be able to, in, in a weird weird way, like sort of improve, because with a live-action thing, you would be able to make it longer. Because the movie, I mean, it's longer than, than a bunch of the animated movies, but it's 96 minutes, 90-something minutes, and, like, I feel like if they did a live-action version, they'd be able to have it, like, almost like 20 minutes or a half hour more of like just different things. And they could, they could pack on more for sure and like have more like exploration stuff. But I mean, I get their decision, you know, obviously like the movie's called Atlantis and they need to get to Atlantis and you know, they, yeah. So I, I get the decision making, but I still wish maybe they would have done more, um, with that aspect of it. Um, and, uh, probably one of the more, like, this is something I didn't cause like I'm, I, I don't think about this when I watch this movie, but it's, and plus it just feels like it's an inherent nature with most like exploration movies, but this movie, you can almost argue comments a tad on colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, the whole idea of, you know, especially like when you have the characters, you know, saying like, we didn't know like people were going to be alive down here. Oh, well, we'll still steal stuff. Or I was thinking about like, um, when Milo was commenting on the pillar and he's like, oh, this took thousands of, you know, hundreds and thousands of years to build. And then when, when Vinny like blows it up to make it into a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you don't think about that when you're younger, when you're first watching this. And then when you watch it now, like it just, it, I don't know. It just makes it a little bit more interesting, but also like if that was something they wanted to comment on, like maybe they could have steered it in a different way, especially because the savior of Atlantis is a skinny white dude. Yeah. 
So, I mean, but I, like, I do like the idea of, like, these explorers, especially, like, the core explorers, or at least Milo, when they first get there, it's more about wanting to experience the culture, not disturb it, not ruin it, but experience it. So, like, I love that whole montage scene where, like, him and Kida are, like, exploring different, like, ruins outside of the main city, or, like, um, the characters are trying the cuisines, you know, like, the when, when Dr. Sweet says, like, don't forget to eat the head, that's where all the nutrients are. So like there, I like I like that moment where they're actually like experiencing it, and then of course there's that twist where Rourke is actually like Rourke cannot be a good dude. I think I think that was like an interesting element to it um, that again you don't think about, but it's also somewhat like I was saying like it's just something that it's just an unfortunate like thing that happens in most exploration movies. It's like you know disturbing something that was meant to be undisturbed, you know. Oh yeah, very Pocahontas esque. Oh Pocahontas! <laughs> I know, I like this way more than Pocahontas, but oh, that's yeah. a story for another day. <laughs> hey, I mean, I can agree with you on that. <laughs> and plus, I'm glad we're all in, in agreement. <laughs> and plus, like, like I said, Kida is so much like. Where was Kida and Wreck It Ralph too? Like, they had that whole sequence, all the princesses were there, Pocahontas was there. You're right. Where was Kida? Oh, now I'm sad. What? Now I can't watch that movie again. (laughs) (laughs) They even have the one from Pixar, and they make a joke about it. I'm sorry, I'm just really upset right now, guys. Well, (laughs) she's she's a princess to all of us, I suppose, so... It is. That's the important thing. It is the. Uh, I think it's the most underrated Disney princess movie. Admittedly, that's what I would. That's my argument. Yeah, yeah. If we're if we're going there, yeah, I would say that too. Sure. I, yeah, it doesn't have songs, but you know, there's things blow up and you know people fight. There's a point she almost stabs a dude. That was pretty wild. Well, they're they're just waiting for uh, Zoe Saldana to play her. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Like that would that would just shoot it to the sky like like people like we would get kita in the disney princess roster officially if zoe saldana was there yeah but anyway i i think this is one of the it's definitely a criminally underrated movie you could check this out now on disney plus if i'm not mistaken right is that is on disney plus yeah so definitely we all recommend it i think it's really it's a really solid movie I think it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of great elements to it, um, and I think it's got it. Do, we I think we agree it does have the makings to have a potential good live action adaptation. Not that we think that it would happen, but you know who knows. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about this one. This was you know I had a, it was a lot of fun. I have I always love any opportunity to watch this ever, and also just when we watched Great Mouse Detective, like. Because again, like like Alex, it wasn't a movie that I was necessarily like too familiar with, but I was just really excited to like watch something new. So I'm always I'm always down. And listen, folks, as much as we all love all these other Disney movies that have come out, there's so many great ones. Give some of the other ones a chance. See see what you feel. Like not all of them are great. Even some of the ones that are popular aren't great, in my opinion, at least. But some of them are worth checking out, so explore your Disney Plus accounts is all I'm saying. Yeah, they, they do have a lot of good ones on there. I 
pretty much spent about a week and a half watching Disney Plus movies. I'm just like, I got nothing else to do. Put on the Disney Plus. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, I do want to thank you guys, too, for letting me be here. I, I'm just happy to be included. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, thank you for coming on. I'm always, no, I'm always excited. Like, um, let you me know, know when 8 hours to 16 hours later is coming out. <laughs> uh, well, I still have to write it. Because <laughs> it is going to be focused on your character, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm going the I'm going the Jack Sparrow route where I'm just going to sidestep any of the other characters. Um, and was it Alex? It's Griftcast, right? Yeah. Yes. And we're on a pretty much anywhere you can find. Um, you won't see us with any new stuff probably till towards the end of the year, just because of a uh, personal and really personal reasons. We all haven't been getting together uh, to record, but yeah. our YouTube channel should start up soon under the same name. Uh, we've been playing some video games, doing let's plays during our downtime. So that's, that's a new angle we're approaching during this time where you, we just can't parody politics right now. Like it's, it's either too offensive that we don't mm, even want to go yeah. there or it's just depressing. So we got into <laughs> video games. There you go. How many episodes do you have? Oh geez. Uh, I don't know if we hit a hundred by the time we took our step back, but um, we're we're pretty close to there. Uh, we actually have about three or four unreleased episodes, and I will just say, and these are new ones, not the one you're in, Richard. <laughs> but <laughs> I was gonna say I was in a couple but, uh, of these episodes. We recorded a couple remotely, which you guys have mastered in a way that we couldn't even like. We were so close, or so used to recording in person that when we went remote it was just tangent central. Like we could not focus ourselves. So um, I like how you guys, I mean, the listeners can't see, but we're all video chatting and I think that's a good way to focus in. Um, So you guys have taught me some things that I'm going to take back and learn how to record in the future now. And I mean, that, that that's the crazy thing for us is that, you know, we all like, we always wanted to do like this kind of thing to do a podcast, but it was always a matter of, you know, we know that we live in different States to begin with. So it was just trying to figure out how we were going to work that out. And so we had different ideas, different methods. We had other people we were going to have in the whole thing. And then just, um, you know, when Joey had the idea of doing like a double feature type situation, um, it was, you know, we were just like, okay, let's just record our audio separately. We'll video chat somehow and we'll try to make it work. And Oh, no, it works. I, I, and I really enjoyed it. You guys, you guys do a great job, too. I mean, like I said, I always listen to you guys. Get, keep me sane during work I'll, I'll make that a five-star review just keep me sane during work but yeah definitely check out griftcast folks what they got definitely looking forward to what they're going to put out also a reminder we richard and i have our letterbox accounts they're going to be a description for the episode our own youtube channels check out our youtube channel we're going to try to do some exciting things in the near future with that follow us on facebook twitter and instagram um i also want to say too we're continuing with our a slightly modified um, release schedule. We are going. Our next episode will come out December 11th, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Richard? I think that's right. Yeah, Dece- I believe so. December 11th. I'm gonna double check. If, on that. if not, I'm just gonna edit it to the make myself sound smart and say whatever date it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, definitely looking forward to the next episode. Though I think you guys will get a, a real kick out of our, our next episode. 
Oh my god, I'm actually really excited for the next episode. And it is December 11th, by the way. It, you, you were right, it is December 11th. It is. I was, alright, okay, I'm, I, I got some brain cells left. Yeah, so, dis- yeah, December 11th, and then we're actually gonna have one on Christmas Day. Yes! We timed it pretty well. We we did. It, it was, it's, uh, it's remarkable. But, <laughs> anyway, this was a lot of fun. Alex, thank you for coming on to the program. We're very, very excited to hear how this one turns out. And uh, check you guys out December 11th. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout out to Alex Ford for being our third dude this week. Thank you so much for being on the show. And to John and Kenny Armstrong, as always, for providing such wonderful music. And of course, a hint for next week's double feature. We kick off our Christmas episodes with two very unconventional and one highly atrocious set of films. Stay tuned.